Howdy. It's Ed and Jack, the guys who preview the wrestling events on our YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, we're also the wrestling analysts at the Fight Site. And we're going to talk about two events coming up, kind of back-to-back, two days apart. Uh, and, I mean, that's a really big deal in a basically an era of very little competition because of COVID. Um, but, yeah, the, the annual Beat the Streets event exhibition is coming up that always has high-level freestyle matches. Pretty much never Greco because Mike Novogratz hates Greco, and he's the one that funds it. So no Greco, but there's freestyle and there's women's matches. And then... A, a pretty big deal is a, a pro card that's coming up. Uh, funny enough, this got leaked on during a trial. It was during no, it was during a hearing. There was like the bench hearing. I don't know with Willie Saylor versus Flow Wrestling and, and Rockfin versus Flow Wrestling. Um, and they were talking about how Flow Wrestling, you know, promotes and streams events, and how Rockfin isn't a direct competitor because they don't do that. And then uh, Flow's lawyer brought up this Penn State event. And everyone listening was like, what are you talking about, Penn State event? Because Penn State is notoriously difficult to work with, uh, with, you know, companies and the media. So, you know, getting an event there seemed unlikely. And also, Rockfin doesn't do events. Now they do. So (laughs) on Rockfin, uh, the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club is basically, I guess, partially hosting this event, uh, mainly versus the the Cliff Keen Wrestling Club, which is uh, based in uh, Michigan, so there's a lot of Michigan guys, but that's full of really high-level matchups. And uh, just real quick, main events, Beat the Streets main event is Yanni Giacomahalis versus uh, Olympic champion uh, Vladimir Kinshagashvili, which is uh, on paper a really big deal. And then main event for the Rockfin event is Bo Nickel, who's a star in his own right, uh, versus Alex Deeringer, another Hodge winner. So Really good cards. I mean, Jason Nolf is on, on that card. Zane Rutherford's on that card. Kyle Snyder's on that card. Uh, Thomas Gelman's on that card. Pretty much all of the, the big domestic stars of that age group are, are on that card. And I would say Yanni is probably the only one that isn't, and he's on the other card. So we're going to have like all the best guys domestically in the U.S. competing within a couple of days. And it's pretty wild, and we're going to try to watch all of it and uh yeah it's gonna be insane so first of all jack how does this work with the rockfin event who who is actually hosting it does the nittany line wrestling club have their own rockfin page like what are, what are the logistics with this yeah i don't know my understanding was that rockfin is you know like youtube or patreon or something where mm-hmm. you you can just put your video or your content on their platform but they're not really involved in like the actual production. Right. So I've been referring to this event as like the Nittany Lion event. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, I've seen some stuff lately that maybe Rockfin is actually involved in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Putting on the event with maybe bearing some of the costs of the game (laughs) set up and stuff. So I I don't really know what the deal is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Cut I, out there. I don't I like, know what the deal is. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so the logistics of the events, I don't know. Oh. But the first one you can watch on Flow Wrestling. The other one you can watch on Rockfin. You just have to subscribe to any creator. Uh, you don't subscribe to a creator. You subscribe through a creator. Then you get access to the whole platform, I believe. Um, so, I mean, it, it's worth watching. It's a pro event. So wrestlers are getting paid, so you should support it. 
Um, you can cancel your subscription afterward probably. So I would just pick a creator that, that vibes with you. Uh, you don't have to give Alex Jones money. I believe the pay is proportional with who is drawing subscribers and uh, you subscribing probably doesn't make any difference with the amount of money that Alex Jones gets. So if you're concerned about that specifically, which is a, fa a fair concern in my opinion, uh, don't think about it too much because uh, we want to watch wrestling. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think the money that each uh, each channel gets is based on their subscribers and their views. Yeah. So if, if you don't subscribe through someone and you don't read their premium articles and watch their premium videos, they don't get any of your money. Okay. Good. Good. That was my only fear. As like, and you know, what if someday I, the fight site wants to be on Rockfin? Uh, are we contributing to? Platform A, Alex Jones? I don't know. These are the, the questions that keep me up at night. Uh, but enough about that. We're going to cover the events because there are so many matches to discuss. There's like 20 matches. So let's just start talking about them. Beat the Streets is going to be first. That's on Thursday. And a uh, pretty solid card. I mean, if there were no other card this weekend, it was just this one, I'd be really happy. Um, but the matchups, in my opinion, aren't super competitive. And even the ones that are, competitive on paper like they don't matter that much since we're still kind of in the olympic year uh things things should matter more you know we're wondering what are the implications for the olympic team based on this so i'm just gonna run through the card and uh you know jack if you have thoughts on on a matchup after i introduce it uh let me know but we can go through this one pretty quickly because i think it's not all that complicated so the first match of the night is a women's freestyle match uh, Emily Shilson versus Felicity Taylor. I d I'm not an expert on women's freestyle. I don't know a lot, but I do know that Shilson uh, was a 2017 cadet world silver medalist. She was on a poster I had uh, with a bunch of different athletes. <laughs> so I, I was familiar with her and she lost to Japan in the finals. So that's not a big deal. Uh, and then she uh, came back and, and won the worlds at the cadet level in 2018. Uh, I was impressed that she placed third at the Schultz at seniors. Uh, in 2019 so she's competing with seniors right now I didn't see any noteworthy names in her bracket but just the fact that she went from cadets one year to seniors the next year and is competing with grown women is pretty awesome uh, she did make the U23 world team but did not place in 2019 so I think there's still some work to be done in terms of like growing up and getting bigger uh, and then she's wrestling Felicity Taylor who I had not heard of um, she also made the U23 world team in 2019 and that's about it for her freestyle credentials outside of the U.S. Um, it seems like a showcase matchup for Shilson. Uh, Jack, do you have any reason to believe otherwise? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah no, I, I actually don't think it's going to be a showcase. I think it's very competitive. Oh, yeah? <clears throat> yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty close. On, uh, on Austin's podcast, I was on the uh, Changing Levels podcast last nice. week, uh, and I actually picked uh, Taylor to win the Ooh. match. So Shilson is has a really good low single, uh, and a good low gut, um, and it seems like she's struggled a bit with bigger people, uh, you know, like in in uh, some some of the senior level stuff that she's wrestled. She'll destroy the people who are like small and like worse than her. But then she'll she'll run into someone like uh, like Amy Fernside, mm -hmm. who, who's tacked her several times, and she kind of just gets pushed around a little bit. She can't 
get to leg attack. She can't. Um, uh, you know how as you go up in like the spectrum of weight classes, there's less space generally. It's it's less divey. It's more hand fighty. Yeah. Uh, she, like she definitely needs the. We're at the smallest weight, so we're gonna be shooting from range sort of dynamic. Um, and I mean, she she still has a lot of success, but she's undersized even at 50 kilograms, which is the lightest weight. Uh, and Taylor's a 53. Taylor uh, works really well from control ties, especially from the two on one. And I think that'll be pretty effective in uh, kind of limiting Shilson's chance to get to the legs. And it's, it's also maybe shouldn't put too much stock in this, but I feel like Taylor's game translates like holds up a little bit better if you haven't been competing in nine months or like because they haven't been able to wrestle and stuff. I think like if you wrestle a more kind of straightforward physical game, uh, it's a lot easier to do if you've spent a lot of time off than Mm -hmm. speed and timing. Uh, And it's, it's definitely a, a close match. Shilson is the better wrestler, I'd say. Um, but because of size and the style matchup, it's it's pretty close, and I guess I'll stick with my pick of Taylor. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like I said, I don't really watch these matches, so I don't know a ton. I just looked at the credentials on paper. I'm like, oh, this seems lopsided. That's why you don't make predictions entirely based on credentials, which I will continue to do as we go down this list, and then maybe Jack will keep uh, correcting me, and that would be a fun a fun dynamic. So I'm not going to change my approach now. I'm just gonna keep doing it, and we'll see how wrong I am. How many times? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I have no rationale, but I'm just gonna pick Shilson's just so we have, you know, differing opinions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, good to know, though. Good to know that somebody believes in Felicity Taylor besides, and not not me. All right. This one's pretty cool. Uh, I'm interested in this. Not that I wasn't interested in the other one. I just I know about this. <laughs> um, uh, Seth Gross, two-time NCAA finalist, uh, 2018 NCAA champion. Uh, made cadet and junior world teams in freestyle uh, most recently not most recently but one of his most recent accomplishments is winning the bill Farrell memorial tournament and it was pretty stacked at that time he beat uh, nathan tomasello in the finals i believe he also had like a, a buzzer beater win over nick siriano uh two ncaa champions so definitely uh looking looking good right now he did lose to spencer lee at the open or schultz or something he lost to spencer lee after that uh so he's probably not the number one guy at 57 kilograms right now, but he's definitely top five material at the very least uh, national team contender, uh, which has, you know, big implications, especially in an Olympic year. And I mean, making the national team isn't just a credentials honor. You also like get healthcare <laughs> from USA wrestling. So it's a really big accomplishment to make the national team. So, you know, every, every spot between you know two and five is still a big deal uh, if you can make top three. So <clears throat> Seth Gross, he's wrestling Joe Cologne, 2018 World Bronze Medalist. Uh, his college career was also really fun. He was uh, <clears throat> in junior college for two years, I believe, won a junior college national championship, transferred to Northern Iowa, and uh, I think uh, qualified for the NCAA tournament his first year. Then his second year, he was you know, a top three guy, and I believe he beat Tony Ramos during the regular season and then placed third at NCAAs. He's, like, not my favorite wrestler to watch because he's so uh, – underhook pushy front headlock like he's that guy but you know it's just not 
not super dynamic, but definitely works for him a lot of the time. Whereas Seth Gross has always weirded me out because I always underrate his leg attacks. And then just because his entries aren't super clean, I know you wrote an article on, on Seth Gross. So I'm not going to pretend to be the expert, but um, <clears throat> yeah, just his entries aren't always super clean, but he's really good at like getting up uh, back to his base and, and building up and finishing. And his mat wrestling is fantastic. Uh, really good scrambler, really good on top. I um, mean, working with AJ Shop all those years definitely helped. I don't know how many years, but several at least. And uh, it, it seems to have translated to freestyle. And he's really good at those sneaky, like, don't need to be in a great position to pull it off exposures. Like, I think he hit that knee pull on Suriano. Like, slick, slick little stuff like that. So it's a weird matchup. <laughs> but I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I don't have a strong read on it right away. So I'm actually going to wait to predict it until I hear you talk about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because they're both sort of counter guys, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, Gross, like you said, has all the weird exposures, uh, and Cologne has a really, really good chest wrap, and that's kind of been his main thing. thing domestically, because in a lot of the Tigers, uh, but then... And you know, uh, I think at the open and then in like the the I forget if it was like the very first championship round or one of the early consolation rounds at the trials. Uh and, and both times it was super high scoring, but Cologne won. Uh and it was it was always kind of like don't shoot. Like anyone that shot would get six points scored on them. But then <laughs> so you go down six oh, but then the guy who was winning would shoot and give it all right back. Uh, which is kind of like the match, uh, the series Gross had with Mitch McKee, uh, I think the junior world team. Uh, and Gross won that in three matches, but he, it seemed like, like just stop shooting and you'll win. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really one that you can do kind of like broad, like style analysis that much on. Uh, you have to either get really, really technical about how they're going to approach these positions and who is going to be cleaner on their finishes and, you know, what issues they can give each other in getting those exposures, or you can just do a hand wavy sort of, well, it's going to be a shootout. So I, I, I don't have much. Instead, I'm going to pick Joe Cologne. Uh, I think he's a little bit better at, keeping himself out of trouble. But I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to do some hand wavy stuff and predict it based on nothing. But I'm, I'm just going to say that, uh, that Joe Cologne, you know, further out of college, Seth, Seth Gross isn't fully transitioned out of folk style yet, in my opinion. Uh, so he still has a lot of time to get better. Joe Cologne is pretty up and down. And a lot of times his downs make you think like this guy meddled at Worlds. But, you know, a lot of the time he comes out and surprises me and looks really good. And uh, his last Beat the Streets match, I believe it was Beat the Streets when he lost to Suriano. That sucked. <laughs> he was doing pretty well and I believe he was winning the match. And then he like, something happened and he like looked away or he made some really big mistake where he lost focus and then Suriano scored on him. And like, it just, it sucked. <laughs> it was a really bad way to lose. Uh, so he's probably pissed about that. So I expect him to like take this match pretty seriously. And 
I, I feel like just based on his proximity to world teams and world medals before he's in hardcore mode for, for the Olympics, uh, even though it's a year away at this point. But yeah, I, I'm going to pick him just based on non-existent momentum things and not really that uh, nothing about the, the style matchup. I just, you know, maybe, like you said, maybe Gross will be hesitant to uh, to get into those situations because of the potential counters and then Cologne will, will win the, the upper body in the hand fights and just, you know, man strength them. What do they say? Prison strength? One of the... Uh, Prison strength, yeah. Was that the big, a Big Ten commentator? Big yeah, commentator? I, think, uh, I think Jim Gibbons called him that. Yeah, you can't say that. But <laughs> it's, it's a cool matchup just in terms of, like, names and where they're at in their careers. And I'm interested to see how it plays out, but not because I particularly understand what they're going to do to each other. Um, similar note, <laughs> the next matchup came out of nowhere. I forget who he was going to wrestle originally, but... Uh, the per- first person in the matchup is Jack Mueller. Uh, I believe he also wrestled at, at a recent uh, exhibition. He wrestled at a uh, Flow's. Yeah, pro he wrestled event. against uh, Roman Bravo Young. Yeah, and he lost to, to RBY, and RBY looked really good. So, what are you gonna do? Um, but Jack Mueller, two-time All-American, uh, 2018 national finalist. You know, if you don't know, he beat Sebastian Rivera in the semifinals, and then lost to Spencer Lee in the finals, which was you know still a big upset. Uh, he did make the U23 World Team in 2018 and he plays fifth so he made the bronze match uh, pretty solid and freestyle definitely known for his, his top game his mat wrestling and uh and folk and yeah and freestyle pretty well-rounded honestly not like entirely a, a mat wrestling counter guy just uh yeah good good wrestler all around that's my my deep analysis he is wrestling rustam ampar which was like a late ish replacement all these matches kind of feel late because they got announced a week or two before the event was going to happen. But somebody was scheduled, and, and then they pulled out, and then they put in Rustam Ampar. Uh, and, uh, I mean, the connection, if you're wondering, like, how did a random, uh, not Russian, not Georgian, uh, Abkhazian, which is an independent republic in between the two, like, end up on this card, like, during COVID times? He's living and training in America. I, I believe he trains at Cornell. In a second, I'll let Jack explain that if it's interesting enough. Uh, but yeah, just basically his credentials are he was a junior world silver medalist in 2009, you know, built his way up, placed at a bunch of major tournaments, and he was like a, a contender, a world contender. Uh, won the Euregan in 2014, which is pretty much the toughest tournament you can win outside of Worlds in the Olympics, uh, and then Euregan silver in 2016. So he was relevant up until the, last, the end of the last Olympic cycle. Uh, and uh, then he moved to the U.S. after 2017. Never made a world team for for Russia, but he was at uh, yeah for Russia. He was at 57 and like 55 and 60, 61. The, those parts, and it's a pretty tough weight. So no big deal. I think he's been top three at Russian nationals before, and you know competed for for spots in the team, but didn't quite make it. But still, compared to to a lot of the guys we have, like super credentialed, super impressive. A few years ago. He wrestled some college matches. I don't know what tournament was that because the, the records aren't totally uh, up to date. But he was losing to like Jamel Morris and uh, somebody else of that caliber. So I think it's fair to say he's not as good as he was when he was winning the Uregan and placing at the Uregan. But um, Jack, what is he? What is he doing? What's what is his life like? What, what's going on with him right now? Uh, so as far as I can tell, he, he somehow had a connection through uh, Vugar Arujov, 
I don't know how you say his name, but uh, Vito's dad, mm-hmm. uh, the guy who actually the guy who was originally scheduled to be in this match. Oh, it was Vito. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so th- through that, he came to the U.S. Uh, in like late 2019, uh, and there were some wrestling clubs in the U.S. that were sort of recruiting him. And he, he went around and traveled to a few different places and wrestled in their rooms uh, and then went to uh, Cornell to the Finger Lake Wrestling Club where uh, uh, Yanni Giacomahalis and Vito and Kyle all trained uh, right before the pandemic hit. And he's basically just been there ever since. Uh, and so he's been, he was uh, preparing with Vito for uh, the, the match a couple months ago in Texas him again and for this match uh, and then he, Vito got injured so he said all right how about Rustam you wrestle uh, uh, I, I don't know how seriously he's taken he said he was going to wrestle in Russian nationals uh, in 2020 if they had them uh, but I, I can't really get a read on like how intense his training is or what level he's at or anything yeah, so I mean, there's a, there's potential that he'll just come out and like be at top form and completely wash Jack Miller, which I, I think is what would happen if he was close to, to his prime form or, or something resembling it. Uh, but I'm just going to hedge and say that that's not what's happening here because, I mean, he didn't prepare for this. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say Jack Miller is going to win, but, you know, maybe it'll be cool for a little bit before he uh, – you know, presumably gases out or, or whatever, but uh, not not one you really need to think too hard about, despite, you know, a, a seemingly big name on paper coming in there. Uh, I'm sorry, Jack, did you make a prediction? Uh, no, I guess I don't really know who to pick. I'll go with uh, – I'll pick Rustam. Yeah, why not? I think I- – <laughs> I was pretty comfortable with Vito to be. Basically, Mueller's worse if you attack his left leg. Um, and I also think Rustam has a better sense compared to American guys in terms of how to avoid uh, the the head pinches, the, the counter exposure stuff that uh, Mueller's really good at. And he, he might come out and just look terrible and only do like two things the whole match, like Darian Caldwell and Duran Wynn and those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess I'll go with Ampar. Fun, yeah. It's like usually when those guys haven't wrestled in a long time, and like even if someone's credentialed, they haven't wrestled in a long time, they come back. Uh, I, I've heard them talk about it before. They like the timing's off, like everything's off. It's really hard to come back. Um, but you know, I, I'd be excited <laughs> if he was good. If he looked good. All right, I'm gonna butcher this. Alexandria. I'm gonna say Glaude. I think that is how it's pronounced. If it's not, it's Glaude. Um, yeah, U23 World Bronze in 2018. I'm sorry, what'd you say? I, I was agreeing with your pronunciation. It's glad I, I right. think it's cool. <laughs> okay. Sorry, ex- apologies, Alexandria, for not looking that up. It'd probably be pretty easy to find out. But uh, yeah, U23 World Bronze in 2018, junior world team member. Don't know what was going on domestically because I didn't dig that deep on a lot of these matchups. Uh, she's wrestling Victoria Francis. 
who is you know probably one of the most credentialed uh, people domestically competing right now uh, near that weight 2014 junior world bronze 2016 olympic trials finals uh, almost make the olympic team obviously uh, 2017 world team member placed at a bunch of ranking series tournaments uh, and some different tournaments are valued for the women's side than men's freestyle they don't go to all the same tournaments so not totally tournaments that we've heard of uh, made the 2019 world team placed fifth at 2019 worlds and uh, most recently competed at Pan Ams and, and placed silver so she's in the thick of things still uh, about about as good as she's been the whole time whereas uh, Glaude is kind of someone on the rise. And again, I really don't know much about how they wrestle, but just based on stuff I just said, I'm just going to go ahead and pick Francis, and Jack will tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, Volume 2 is like the thinnest weight of all time. Mm -hmm. um, there were not a ton of people, I'm looking it up right now, but there were not a lot of people in that bracket at the World Championships. Um, Francis has a very kind of straightforward style where she's she pushes in, she'll have a collar and an underhook, and then she'll try and push you out. She'll try and get to a snatch single, or she'll just snap you down. Uh, and she... She either scores a step out or she'll get a snap down go behind, and that's like 90% of her offense. Uh, Glaude has a, a much more like rounded out game. She she has a few different leg attacks. She has uh, and basically every leg attack. She's got a single, a double, a, a duck under, a carry. But she doesn't seem to have like a, a go-to. Um, she doesn't have like a – a well-defined game to getting to her shots. Um, and, and she also wrestles at a pretty slow pace. So I feel like she's more skilled. Um, but I think especially in a, a first match back situation, uh, France is just going to mostly push her around. Uh, and it, that's just much easier to, to execute than, you know, something that, uh, you're going to catch somebody coming in and time them with a duck. You know, you're going to fake and then hit a duck to the other side. I mean, that's just really difficult to do if you haven't been wrestling live as much. Uh, so I'm going to also pick Francis. Cool. I believe Victoria Francis is also a graphic designer and has been making a lot of the graphics for uh, the BWA, the Black Wrestling Association. And if I am wrong about that and said it before I looked it up. I'm going to be really mad about that. No, I think that's sure. correct. She she designed something. Mm -hmm. Whether it was a Black Wrestling Association or some other like event posters. Wrestling organization type. She's doing thing. something for sure. <laughs> the graphic design. Okay. This next one I think is actually as simple as it is on paper. Um, Gable Stevenson is wrestling Trent Hilger. Gable Stevenson is one of the biggest names in, in the sport in the U.S. right now. Uh, basically, one one season in, one full season in uh, as a college wrestler, placed third. His losses were only to, to Anthony Kassar, who obviously came out of nowhere for some people. <clears throat> Before that, he was a two-time cadet world champ and a junior world champ. 
Um, and he's already making a splash at seniors with freestyle of beating really good guys um, and losing to like, you know, sometimes Adam Kuhn and, you know, basically just Nick Wisdowski at this point. So he's, he's become a top two or three guy at seniors at heavyweight at a very young age, which is ridiculous. Uh, so he's very, very, very good. Um, and he's wrestling Trent Hilger, who is a one-time All-American thus far, plays eighth, had a really strong redshirt season. Uh, he wrestles for, uh, I'm sorry, Gable wrestles for, for Minnesota. Uh, Trent Hilger wrestles for Wisconsin. Uh, so I believe there might be some, some type of rivalry there. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, Hilger is like a top three or four guy in college at heavyweight. But Gable has wrestled him three times already and has beaten him three times. Uh, the first time an 11 to two major, uh, then 10, four, uh, then 10, five. And I, I don't want to interpret that like, Oh, he's closing the gap. I, I think it's pretty, pretty one-sided and, uh, Gable wasn't putting up like a ton of points on people this most recent season before COVID ended it. He was beating everyone fairly comfortably. And, uh, Gable also pretty much took out every contender at the weight <laughs> during the regular season of college before the postseason got canceled. Uh, like he beat, a junior world champ mason paris uh anthony cassiope and, and hilger so this one seems very cut and dry like gable is gonna win and it's it's a gable showcase I swear to god yeah, jack if you say i think it's pretty straightforward different. i think hilger is kind of <laughs> no hilger i think is uh is trying to uh qualify for an olympic red shirt okay so he's doing this as like a tune up up for um, senior nationals like three weeks later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah, Gable, I think, is just better everywhere. He's going to win the hand fight. He's going to get to legs more. He's going to finish better. And he's going to win like nine to one or something. Yeah. <laughs> like freestyle, it's maybe he'll tech him because it's just you know, easier to just rack up takedowns than it is. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is he, he doesn't usually push a pace all that right. much. He might not care. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, that, that, that seems like the easiest match of the, on the card to predict. So we're not going to talk about it anymore. Uh, main event, Yanni D, uh, Yanni Dakamahalis, two-time NCAA champion, has one career loss in college. Uh, before that, two-time cadet world champion. And his senior freestyle career has been really good so far. Uh, he has big, big wins over like Bajran Punia, who's a world silver medalist and has been ranked number one in the world before. Uh, by UWW, so not really, but you know, uh, he beat Ishmael and Musakayev, who turned out to be much better than he appeared at the tournament that Yanni beat him. And then he placed, uh, he, he took bronze at Worlds. Uh, he beat Zane Rutherford multiple times, and Zane beat him also. Um, and he beat Jordan Oliver, he beat Frank Molinaro. Uh, so he he's top two, top three at 65 kilograms in the US and probably top 20 worldwide. It's a very tough weight. And yeah, he's he's like the it, the it child right now. He's uh, he's very very good, very exciting. Uh, everybody loves him for both his personality and his wrestling style. Uh, he's wrestling an Olympic champion. He's wrestling a 2016 Olympic champion Vladimir Kinchekishvili, who has had a very interesting career as of late. I mean, it, it was a pretty steady rise before that. He had two junior junior world titles between uh, 2010 2011. Uh, made it to the Olympic finals, won Olympic silver in 2012, uh, 2014 world silver, then 2015 world champ, 2016 Olympic champ. Uh, 2017, he took bronze after moving up to 61 kilograms and lost to Haji Aliyev, who's 
kind of always going to meddle at that weight <clears throat> back and closer to his prime. Uh, it, but before that point, he hadn't lost a match between the Olympics and, uh, and world. So it seemed like a bit of a drop as, as he moved up from 57 kilograms. And uh, then he moved up to 65 kilograms and it was, it was much more noticeable. The drop off in production uh, like did not place at worlds, did not place at the European championships. Uh, came back a little bit to, to play silver at the Euro games in 2019. But if you look at the actual bracket, it was pretty weak. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's just been nothing like his old self at 65 kilograms. Uh, last time we saw him at worlds, he lost to Musakayev and uh, you know, he's, he's around, he, he's not going to lose to a scrub, but he's, he's probably not beating any of these like good top 10 guys anytime soon. So I'm not really sure if it's like a him growing into 65 thing or he's just done. Um, but he's not not a world medal contender right now, I, I would say. Uh, but is Yanni a world medal contender? Hard to say as well. So just looking at credentials, I, I feel like it's really tough to do it that way. Uh, the matchup itself, I think, is super interesting just because <clears throat> Vlad is kind of off off rhythm, off speed with his style. Uh, he'll spend a lot of time like not doing stuff, and he can explode into these big exchanges. He can make make scores happen out of seemingly tough situations, uh, really good low leg attacks, misdirection, can shoot across to one leg, can go uh, swing single, great gut wrench, he transitions so really quick, uh, really sneaky at like making those little little exposures happen off of tricky situations. Uh, like a veteran, for sure a veteran, but less physically imposing than he was at 57. I think that's what made him really, really tough is because if he could get some sort of like a uh, positioning and rear standing, he, he, you know, put up points in a lot of people with his gut and his parterre game. And, you know, just being able to manipulate their bodies to create exposures off scrambles because he gets in a lot of crazy scrambles. Uh, Yanni's pretty similar, <laughs> I would say, actually. Uh, the way he, you know, gets to his attacks, the way he controls wrists and uh, uh, kind of operates at, at a longer range is different, but I mean, still goes like swing single a lot, goes misdirection on the singles. Um, you know, a lot of you know, short drags and shucks and stuff like that from upper body positions, crazy scrambler, loves to, to take, make risky exposure attempts. Uh, so I, I see a lot of Vlad in Yanni, just philosophically, but uh, I don't know. It, it's hard to say. I think in terms of what Kinshagashvili's disadvantages might be, this isn't the worst matchup for him just because it's not like Yanni's a big 65. It's not like he's not going to be able to compete with them physically. Unless it's like the youth factor of Yanni, like having lots of energy and, you know, being able to you know keep a pace and maybe Vlad can't, but um, it, I just have a really hard time predicting what kind of form uh Kinchegishvili is in. And like, I would be surprised if he showed up to beat the streets in better form than he did the world championships. But even if it was him from the world championships, I would give Yanni a shot to beat him. Uh, but it's, it's hard to say because, look, the baseline competency might still be too high. On the other hand, Yanni beat Bajrang two years ago. So it's, <laughs> I'm all over the place with this one. I'm picking Yanni is my final, my final answer. How do you feel about this one, Jack? Yeah, uh, I, I watched a fair bit of tape on – and I saw a few kind of small concrete things that look good for him. 
and some kind of bigger picture things that look really bad for him. So like he he mainly shoots like a straight single to uh, their left leg, mm-hmm. which I think Yanni is slightly worse at defending. I think he can't create the kind of scrambles he wants to as well. Um, Kinchukishvili is really good at getting to an angle, and then he's really good from the wizard position. Like when they get a, a closed wizard, for a lot of people it's just like stalemate, like you're not going to score from there, but he pretty routinely is able to score. Uh, Yanni doesn't do that. Yanni tries to go over the top uh, and reach for your, your like far ankle or your far like hamstring to turn it into a sort of a crackdown position. Uh, and I, I don't know, but I feel like <clears throat> that's fine for him. He can, um, he can do kind of misdirection stuff uh, either with his shot or with his finishes where he, he shoots righty, but then he uh, ducks his head out to the other side. The problem is he doesn't shoot a lot these days. Um, it seems like he just can't get people at position. He, he shot his size and his length advantage a lot and he doesn't have that up at 65 uh he as you said can't gut people quite as easily up at 65 uh and yanni does a pretty good job of not getting turned uh and then uh like you said a lot of times the international guys don't seem to care streets things like that uh really anything outside of the world or the continental championships they're not in great shape. They sometimes just want to work on stuff. They might not show their their A game, whereas the guys from the U.S. tend to always try and basically just win everything. So you're in pretty much top condition year-round. Uh, and so, so basically, you know, he's just going to do more things. He'll, he'll shoot more. He'll scramble more. He'll – push more he'll just try and create more and he'll, he'll just end up scoring more points mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point it's not just Vlad not having a lot of motivation it's also Yanni wanting to win really badly plus you know last time he was competing he got upset by Joey McKenna and that probably really messed with him because before it seemed like oh he's right there with these really good guys at the senior level you know worldwide he might be a medal contender he wants to be world champ you know, Zane's a tough matchup for him, but Zane's also made a bunch of world teams, so he can live with that. And then uh, having, having already beaten McKenna and then losing to him, he probably felt like that was terrible. So he probably wants that one back. I'm doing all this, like, uh, <laughs> mental mental game analysis that is obviously based on nothing. Um, but I don't know. I like to throw that stuff out there just to, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it'll matter. Um, and uh, in an era where it's probably tough to find motivation to get up for competitions because you don't know when the competitions are or if they're happening or what have you, I mean, the rug keeps getting pulled out from under you. It's probably important to have motivation. And uh, Yanni always has it. <laughs> and Vlad uh, typically, historically, is wishy-washy with that. So I- I'm still excited for that card. I think it'll still provide a ton of excitement and entertainment and cool moments and interesting results. 
but the one that is more relevant for for us fans and like has a lot more weight to it uh plus a lot of uh like the cross weight weight class matchups which we have gotten used to seeing lately um that that's the the rockfin nittany lion showcase where is what jack's calling it which i like um tons tons of good stuff to talk about here uh i was a dummy and i was like okay i'm gonna get my research done right before we do this and i did all my stuff for the the beat the streets card i was like okay i'm ready and then i realized not only did i not do that for the rockfin card i also don't even didn't even know what all the matches were (laughs) on the card so i'm gonna let jack lead the dance there's there's way too many of them (laughs) there's a lot there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and eleven, twelve, thirteen matches on this card. A UFC event has twelve fights, so it's like, okay, why not? But wrestling events, it just, it just never happens. But I guess on the other hand, if I watch a tournament, I'll end up watching like dozens of matches, uh, especially a bunch of them I don't care about. But it's different; it's a tournament, you know what I mean? But we'll see how it goes. We'll see how the pacing is. Uh, we might be sick of watching wrestling after having seen the other event on Thursday. But yeah, Jack, I want I want you to leave the dance. Leave the dance. So let's start with uh, Valencia and Julia Salada. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know what order these are going to be in, but mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the last document to the top <laughs> announced match, the one that's at the bottom of the document, yeah. is uh, Jane Valencia against Julia Salada. So it's uh, Jane Valencia is. Uh, representing Mexico, she is qualified for the Olympics nice. at 57. Uh, Julia Salada wrestles for the U.S. She's been on the national team before. Uh, at higher weights, she's now coming down to 62. Uh, originally supposed to be Jean Valencia against Lauren Louise, who uh, pulled out an injury. I don't know very much about wrestling. She is is on this card. She's married to Jaime Espinal, who wrestles for Puerto Rico uh, and was an Olympic silver medalist in possibly the most one-sided draw there's ever been at the Olympics. Uh, but he, he has that medal, and no one can take it from him. Uh, I'm picking Salada here. She has pretty good leg attacks. She can she's, – she's got a good uh, kind of combination between her, her snap-down front headlock game and her low single, uh, where, you know, if they're, if they're too upright, she'll be able to attack their legs. If they're too bent over, she'll snap them down. Uh, which is often really tough to deal with when you're way shorter than your opponent. Uh, I think that's probably what's going to happen here, that Valencia just can't uh, can't keep her off her legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing constructive to add to that, but if you're wondering he, a reason to watch this one, Julia Salata is a, a public enemy of flow wrestling, and that makes her you know, our friend. So root, root for our friend. Plus, she's like actually friends with uh, our our guy, Clay, who uh, we we enjoy. So, more reasons. So we're hoping she wins. It's a big one for, for the culture. <laughs> I don't know who either of these people are. Jennifer Page versus Desiree Zavala. Who are they? Uh, they are both uh, wrestlers. 
Um, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, page is. Uh, I don't. I, I'm trying to think where she trains. I actually don't know. Uh, I, I think she's at the OTC actually in Colorado, oh, okay. uh, but she's a 2014 Junior uh, World Bronze. Uh, she's made uh, a few national teams. Uh, CWA finals, which is like women's college wrestling, um, made it to uh, the finals of the World Team Trials last year, which was pretty surprising. I didn't think she was really quite on that level, but she's improved a lot. Like watching some of her matches from like 2017, like, geez, she is not good at this sport. What is she doing? But she improved quite a lot. I think she's, she's one of those athletes who just picks up skills pretty well. And so she, I mean, she holds position much better. She has like a much better sense of what she's trying to do where she doesn't just stand there for a while and then shoot in blindly. She's working towards her leg attacks. She's got uh, a good double leg, um, good offense off the two on one. Uh, Paige has a, a, a pretty physical game. She likes a lot of underhooks, uh, likes to kind of pull you out of your stance. Doesn't, uh, doesn't really like change level that much. She kind of just grabs a single leg. Uh, so it, it's sort of like the dynamic we talk about with Francis and Glaude, where I think they're fairly comp comparable skill for skill. Uh, and I think Paige, Paige is also a little bit uh, bigger, I want to say, down in weight for the Olympic year. Uh, and I think her game is easier to pull off if you're not quite as sharp, you're not firing on all cylinders. Uh, so I'm going to pick her. These two actually wrestled at senior nationals, but somehow there's no video. So flow in USA wrestling, like film all the matches and post them online. But their match was the first match of the day. And so the, the person just like didn't get the camera up in time. So there's no video. Nice. But, uh, Jennifer page one, nine to six, the thing says, uh, and I'm going to pick her to win this one again. I agree. Based on listening to you, you've convinced me. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. This one is crazy for not normal reasons. Like, oh, what a, what a match. This is like, what is going on here? So uh, representing the Cliff, Cliff Keen Wrestling Club from Michigan, Malik Amin of, of the Amin clan, uh, younger, younger brother of Miles, I believe younger brother. Uh, he, uh, I think older. Because he's out of college now. I always think like smaller equals younger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> smaller brother uh, of Miles Amin, who we talk about a lot. Uh, but yeah, Malik Amin, uh, I think he was a 49 uh, in college for a while. Uh, he qualified for NCAAs. He might have placed at, at a conference tournament. He wasn't really like, he, he was a serviceable starter, but he wasn't really anybody in college. And then uh, Cliff Keen did that thing where they grant their guys. Uh, you know, eligibility to wrestle for other nations. Um, and the Amines are San, San Marinians, San Marinese. I forget how it is, um, how you say it, but San Marino is, is where they're yeah, from. San Marinese. Yeah, San Marinese. That's, that's, it sounds nice. Sounds good. Um, 
so he gets to represent his country and I don't know what the uh what the wrestle offs are like, but I think you just get if you're if you're at that level, you probably just get to make the team for a country that size. I don't think they actually have like a team there, like training. So I think it was on the team. You still have to qualify the weight for for certain things, but uh pretty much he just you know gets to go to worlds, which is pretty awesome. Um and you know he wins he wins matches. He wins matches at worlds. He he beats some guys. Not no one like good, but he's competing at the senior level. He's getting those looks. I'm sure he's getting a lot better too. I mean, you can't not get better, especially when you're focusing on freestyle solely. So he's on this card. I would have been interested to see him wrestle a lot of different guys. I would have never, ever have pulled this name out. Uh, he was wrestling uh, FNM's first, first and only, I believe first and only All-American, uh, Rick Durso, who's a, a PA guy. So I, I knew him coming up in high school. I actually, I watched him. Uh, wrestle a dual meet that, that our team was in. I was JV, so I didn't wrestle the dual meet, but <laughs> uh, he, he wrestled my best friend and he pinned him pretty quickly. I think he had like two losses in high school. He was very, very good. Um, and then went to FNM, I, I presume, for his education and was still very good at FNM. And he, uh, he placed at NCAAs and he was an All American and he had a great career. And then I don't think I saw him around much. Maybe he competed a little bit after college. But it's been a while, as far as I know, and now he is popping back up to wrestle Malik Amin. Is he at Nittany Lion Wrestling Club? Is that what this is? Is that how this happened? I don't know. I <laughs> I heard he was he was like coaching some high school team. Like I don't think he's training at all. He's probably still in Pennsylvania though, which is probably how that was arranged. Right. Yeah. Is does it make sense to even predict this matchup? I don't remember how he wrestles. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't think it makes sense. No. Uh, I'll I'll pick Amin because he yeah. is an active wrestler. Uh, and an active freestyle wrestler, but I have no idea. Yeah, that's happening. Just wanted to mention it. Uh, moving on, Dom Abinator, uh, All American from Michigan, I, I believe at one eighty four. Uh, he's wrestling on this card. He represents Lebanon now. It's because he's also a Cliff King guy, and that's that's what he gets to do. And I believe he's he's had some success. Um, he might have placed a, some sort of tournament. Not a big deal. He's not. I don't think you pose this question on on the sheet. Yeah, would he be a domestic contender in the U.S.? I don't think so. Uh, I, I think he might have a shot at a national team. Is this is at eighty six kilograms? Mm-hmm. No, probably not. <laughs> it's a tough weight. Um, but yeah, there was some sort of controversy where he either did have to forfeit to Israel or he didn't forfeit to Israel. I think he did. And then he said he won't wrestle for Lebanon anymore because they made him do that. Um, yeah, I think so. So I don't know what the deal is with, with him moving forward. But I think he is going to wrestle for the U.S. now unless he t- took back what he said. But that's a whole messy situation. He's been doing just fine. I think it's a similar situation to Malik Amin where he's better than he was in college probably, but you know, in the, in the grand scheme of freestyle, I'm not really considering him much, but uh, he's definitely, he's been around, he's been around, he's been at tournaments. He's been doing pretty well. He's been, uh, you know, making medal matches at, at decent tournaments. Um, and we don't know who he's wrestling. <laughs> the event is in uh, what? A few days? Yeah, five days? I, 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 sus- I suspect uh, he and uh, the next guy, Beksad Abdurakmanov, at least one of them won't get an opponent. Right. I, I just pulled up Avenator's, uh, you know UWW database, 
mm-hmm. profile, and it has him wrestling for Jordan. Interesting. Is that new? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> huh. That's so I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. And yeah, I can't he... find his other like the other set of his profile. Like he's definitely wrestled at more than just Oh yeah, it's, it's one of those like split things. So maybe yeah, he, it's a um, spelling thing. I don't know. Yeah, his, his name's like Dominic with an E, I think. Yeah. Like Dominic. Yep, that's the that's the Jordan one. So I don't oh, know. Oh, it's it's, it's 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 two words. It's like Abu Nadir or something. I just tried to type in like just Nadir, and I don't see like a different guy. All right, then I, I don't know where he went. <laughs> All right, he's uh, history. yeah. Lebanon is unhappy with him. They've <laughs> expunged his name from their <laughs> official records. They uh they made him send back his medal from the Asian Championships or whatever. Yeah, I think that's where he plays. Oh, well, he might wrestle. Um, we'll see. I don't know who he's going to wrestle. So nothing really to talk about there. Uh, this one's kind of cool. Bekzad is actually good. Yeah. <laughs> but he is still unannounced. So the next matchup is uh, Vincenzo Joseph against Dan Valamon. Yeah, I like this one. Uh, mostly because I, I want to know how good Vincenzo Joseph is at freestyle. He competed, uh, I and mean, he, he made a little bit of a run for the team in 2019. He beat some foreign opponent who had, like, been to tournaments before and, like, might have placed at something once. Uh, no, nobody significant. And then he, uh, he wrestled Jason Nolf, his former teammate. It's just funny when you think about it, like, when you look at them both on the lineup, like, competing at NCAAs or whatever. Like, okay, the Penn State 65 is national champ. The Penn State 57 is national champ. You would assume the bigger one would win if they wrestled. Um, but I mean, they wrestled at 74 kilograms and Nolf kind of washed him. He was beating him up pretty good. And then, uh, Nolf re-injured his knee, I believe it is during the match. And then Nolf kind of had to like hold on for the last minute or so, or however long was left. And I think Chenzo might have scored on him once or twice, but he was like done at that point. And, but it it was pretty one-sided, uh, up until there. And it was just one of those things where Nolf's leg attacks are stupid fast and he can hit them from the outside and, Chenzo can be kind of plotting sometimes, and he he's not, doesn't have the fastest reactions. Uh, so, yeah, it, Dolph just kind of picked at him and beat him up. So that was kind of weird to see. I didn't, I didn't expect it to be that one-sided. So that kind of soured my opinion of where Chenzo is in freestyle at this point. But I feel like Nolf with two knees is also pretty freaking good. Um, but every time he gets to wrestle Isaiah Martinez, he's injured, and it's so annoying. And he does really well against him while he's injured, and then he doesn't beat him. I'm like, this is so frustrating. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's wrestling Dan Valamon, who uh, I believe he was an All-American for Penn State as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just been around for a long time at 74 kilograms uh, in the U.S. and come come close to national team levels and just has been like a solid top like five or six guy for, for many years. And I believe he's – there was some indication that he was going to retire, I, I, I'm pretty sure, but – uh, here he is. Oh, at, at this event? No, just like in general. I thought he was. Oh going. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he um, I think Flo wrote an article saying he was retired, and he got like, mad goodbye. about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So he's still here. Uh, I, that, that I'm I'm embarrassed now because uh, Jake Ferriot posted that art that interview with Mark Hall or that interview about Mark Hall. Yeah. I think he interviewed Dan Valmont, and 
in the comments. I was like, oh, you know, it's really cool how the Pan RTC has Mark Hall, Jordan Burroughs, and David McFadden all together at the weight. I did not mention Dan Valamont, who is tagged in the post and liked my <laughs> comment. I thought he was retired. I would have mentioned him. But, yeah, he's just like a, a solid guy, the kind of guy you'd have to be if you want to you know, get to a world team trials mm-hmm. type of situation. And, uh, yeah, I, I think stylistically, Valamont's pretty physical. Um, not super dynamic or anything, but he's, he's competent and he's physical and he's a good size 74. And uh, I'm, I'm fairly intrigued to see where he's at. How, do you, is there anything interesting you see here? Um, not really. I mean, I, I feel <laughs> like this would have been a more interesting match a few years ago. Right. Or he, okay, he's not officially retired, but he's competing less and less. He, When he does wrestle, he shoots less and less. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it just seems like he's not – I don't know if it's a, a physical thing or uh, an intensity of training type of thing, but – no, it just seems like he's a little bit past it at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably very, very difficult to put up a pace <laughs> and wrestle dynamically and, like, you know, be, be at the top of your physical game as you've been at it so long. Wrestling's a super physically demanding sport. It breaks you down. So can't blame him, but it's definitely a good, like, test for Chenzo just to see where he is. And, I mean, I'm kind of expecting him to win comfortably and, and look good, but – there's also been questions of, you know, does Chenzo like want to wrestle <laughs> anymore? Like that, that was always the insider information that I was being fed is that he's like, wasn't motivated and like wasn't eating right. And like, wouldn't compete sometimes because he didn't want to cut weight and like, uh, give me another week to, <laughs> to cut weight for the next competition. Like it didn't ever seem like he was totally committed. Just funny because he's a two time national champion and pinned Isaiah Martinez, but wasn't fully committed. That just kind of goes to show you how good he could be. Or maybe this lifestyle contributes to him being good at the way he is. I don't know. But I'm hoping that he shows up and he looks good because it would be really nice to have uh, that crop of national champions uh, besides Zane to be, like, challenging for world teams more often. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's a cool one just you know, to see see where he's at. Um yeah, we, we talked about Bexod of Derek Monov. He, he yeah, might get I a guess match. if we're doing official picks, I'll also go on the record on picking Vincenzo Joseph. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Bexod, Olympic bronze, you know, been a world medal contender forever. Um, we're not going to talk too much about him, but if he gets a match, I expect him to win it <laughs> unless it's against like a top two-ish guy at the weight here or mm-hmm. against someone foreign who's really good. But he's, he's still pretty close to as good as he's always been. I mean, he, he beats – really good guys at, at big tournaments still maybe guys that american fans haven't heard of necessarily he, he goes with the best still um and i know he is transitioning to mma fairly soon uh back to mma fairly soon he actually had a little bit of a career where he went on a, a short undefeated run and then went back to wrestling uh but yeah he signed with uh the same manager as bo nickel did which is john jones's manager uh Kawa. so expect him to go to the UFC because basically all the guy's clients are in the UFC, but we'll see what happens there. But I, I expect him to, to win. <laughs> so if he gets a match, Nick Nevels versus Jordan Wood. Has this happened in college? Uh, yes, it happened in 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nevels won. Nevels won 2-0. I think, uh, I think, 
like an escape and a ride out. So no, nothing that would actually happen in freestyle. Yeah, I mean, for for whatever reason, maybe it's because you know, as wrestlers, they're not entirely that that exciting to me. Uh, I don't have a lot of motivation to to look into this match. So I'll just let you let you talk about it if you want. Well, I'm in the same boat. I did not do much <laughs> to look into this match. Uh, I get the sense uh, Wood has been like a lot more active. I mean, Neville's had injury issues basically <clears throat> his whole college career. Um, I think hasn't wrestled since like early 2019 uh, because of injuries. Uh, Wood... I don't remember what he did, but he, he wrestled like the full season, his last college season. Um, and it seems like he's trying to like actually make a serious run at freestyle, whereas mm-hmm. Neville's like probably is, but I I don't actually know that. I haven't, you know, seen him or right. anything. Uh, stylistically, I don't really know. Wood is like a large person. So he he tends to wrestle more in the Zach Ray sort of style, uh, where you is that you a style? Kind of like, <laughs> you you kind of just try to like push them and pull on their head until they get off balance and grab their leg. <clears throat> um, there's probably a lot more to it than that, and I am too lazy to actually figure it out. Too many matches Neville's for actually, this one to be worth talking yeah. about. <laughs> Neville's uh, shoots lower level. Uh, I guess I'll pick Wood because uh, he's just been a lot more active recently. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick Neville's because the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club organized the card. And I feel like they wouldn't put him out there unless he was good to go. Um, I'm totally guessing. That's my rationale, though, so I'm going to go with Neville's. Uh, all right. Here, here's a cooler one. Uh, heavyweights, Greg Kirkfleet, Dan, Daniel Greg Kirkfleet versus uh, Yusef Imida. Uh, one, one of the most credentialed guys on the card, uh, which is saying something because the card is full of very credentialed people, does not college yet. Where is he currently committed to? I can't follow this. He's Penn State Kirkfleet, now? Penn State. It was, it was Ohio State, then Oklahoma State, now Penn State. Uh, something like that. Yeah, he should have. Also there, there's Minnesota Iowa. in there as well. Oh my god! <laughs> See, he's been bouncing all over the place, but uh, he he's definitely one of the most sought after recruits uh, in in wrestling. Well, he was a recruit. Now he's finally landed somewhere. But yeah, Cadet World Champ in 2017, Cadet World Silver in 2018. Uh, did not place at U23 Worlds, and that was kind of surprising to me. Uh, and then Amir's there won it, and then Mason Paris had just pinned Amir's. It was very confusing uh, to me. And then I believe he lost to Zaire as well in the uh, in the Cadet World Finals before that. So is Mason Paris better than Kirk Fleet? Probably. Right, I was actually completely <laughs> off base with what I said about Nick Nevels. He, oh, yeah? he actually busy. wrestled at Senior Nationals in December 2019. Do you take it back? Yes. Are you recruiting for him now? <laughs> So now we both think Neville's going to win. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Kirk Fleet has, has those great freestyle credentials. Not like as dominant as some of the other guys we talked about, but definitely up there. Uh, Yusuf Hamida, 
did place at U23 Worlds, he placed silver, uh, which is a pretty big deal. And he placed under uh, Saeed Gamidov, who isn't that good, but he's like a Russian, you know, team contender and has, you know, been a junior world champ and, and such. So it was pretty cool uh, to see Hamida get that far because he was kind of under the radar in college. He was Maryland, right? Uh, yeah, he, he went to Maryland. He was like their only good wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> He was the guy. I mean, he's he's freaking huge, really big guy. Uh, makes sense that he, you know, would do well at the U23 level just with his physicality and his skill set. I mean, some of the U23 World tournaments have not been, at some weights, have not been really that good. Um, I'm not going to say that Richie Lewis didn't beat anyone good to win his title, but the difference between Richie Lewis's bracket and like some of these other brackets, like, might as well be a different tournament. Um, mm-hmm. so it, it's hit or miss uh, but like I said he, he at least lost to a good guy in the final so I assume he beat someone decent on the way there um, but yeah he, he's still competing a little bit he uh, he went to that tournament that I can't pronounce but it's, it's like the Gran, Granma Cup that they do in, in Cuba and uh, I think he lost to, to Pino Hines uh, who was very good so you know he, he's around uh, on paper I think people are probably favoring Kirkfleet but I don't really know where he's at right now and he didn't do so hot his last time out and Hamida is improving and is big and I don't know where he's training, but he's, <laughs> he's at uh, Cliff Keen. He's at Cliff Keen. So that makes sense. So this mm-hmm. is one of the, the actual uh, Nittany Lion versus Cliff Keen matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to pick Hamida for some reason. How are you feeling about this? Uh, I am going to pick Kirkfleet. He, Got like third or fourth at senior nationals. Oh, did he? I missed that. <laughs> um, I'm not no, taking I mean, that. Hamida is it. definitely like getting better, which mm-hmm. is cool to see. Uh, M- Michigan has done really well with upper weights, with with Kuhn, with Paris, and with Hamida now, in terms of like getting them to develop good leg attacks. Uh, and he already had pretty good leg attacks. He's also like. I think lost a lot of weight and he's like in much better shape than he was a few years ago at Maryland. Uh, but I, I think Kirk Fleet is, is still just a better wrestler. Mm-hmm. He should be, but I, uh, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm hedging. I'm just going for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just like having the, the different picks now. I'm already behind in picks. So I'm just going to start yeah. chucking this, stuff this out one, there. This one, I feel like we're both kind of just making it up. It's too many matches to think that yeah. hard about it. It's like, yeah, it's free free balling. Well, they they didn't announce them until right. fairly close to it. We didn't have time. It's their fault, not us. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Thomas Gilman versus Darian Cruz. They have history. Uh, mm-hmm. Gilman beat him, I believe, early in college, and then Cruz beat him when it mattered in the NCAA semis, and then went to win the title and ruined Gilman's perfect senior year, which was kind of awesome at the time. Because, I mean, it's a Pennsylvania guy and being an Iowa guy, so I'm pretty happy about that. Um, and plus, you know, Gilman has made himself a villain throughout his career. So, I, you know, of course you want to see him lose. So that was great. Uh, but then, obviously, Gilman, like, right after, made a, the world team and got a silver medal. His bracket wasn't great uh, on the way to silver, but it wasn't – it was harder than, than making the world team or winning an NCAA title. So 
pretty much right afterward, Gilman distanced himself and said, I am definitely the better guy uh, and started winning stuff. Cruz has been around. He's been active. He's been going to tournaments. He, he was at Medved. Um, I believe he went to uh, the one in France. I, why can't I think of the name? Yeah, Henri Delon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Darren, Darren Cruz, he's been going to the Zielkowski. Uh, he does the Schultz, the Farrell, the, the domestic ones. Pan Ams, Medved. Uh, he placed at uh, he placed at Pan Ams in, in twenty twenty, but Pan Ams aren't really a thing. It's really just like the Cuban and the American, and you either win it because you're better than the Cuban, or you lose it because you're not as good as the Cuban. And uh, the Cuban in this case is uh, Ortega, who is awesome, really good. So no shame there. So Cruz is probably like a outside shot at a national team kind of guy, but fifty seven is really, really, really tough. Um, domestically not like every guy is like world medal caliber but to make the national team there's two returning world team members and spencer lee um those are the top three guys so it's like really tough to break through so i really like darian cruz he's in a tough spot here and uh gilman has been super active going to a lot of big tournaments spending a lot of time in russia um placing at at pretty significant events beating guys that are ranked in the world uh as much as seth doesn't want to rank him sometimes seth has to rank him because he actually beats good guys outside of the u.s um so gilman's out there proving himself whereas like someone like dayton fix has been you know mm-hmm. now we know why mia because he failed a drug test and he has to be mia but gilman's probably outside of lee like the most sure thing at, at a world team or an Olympic team in this case at 57. Um, I still have a feeling it's Lee, but I believe between Gilman and Lee, they know who's going to make the team because they wrestle in the room all the time. Uh, so it's very possible Gilman's the number two guy and Cruz is like somewhere between four and seven. So <laughs> just based on that. Um, and I believe they've wrestled since yeah, their Yeah, they uh, wrestled at uh, the World Team Trials last year yeah. and Gilman won like 5-0 and 5-1 or something. yeah. yeah. It just doesn't seem like a like a great matchup for Cruz at any point. Uh, Folk, he definitely had an advantage because, I mean, you can get away with so much more before you're scored on and mm-hmm. uh, really make it your kind of match, whereas in freestyle, I think Gilman taking a lot of attacks. and uh, Gilman's also gotten, like, really figured out the game where he yeah he's going to push in, he's going to push you to the edge, and then if you push back in, he's going to pull you down mm-hmm. and circle the leg. Yeah. And, Cruz just doesn't deal very well with that. So, yeah. Gilman's yeah. on his game basically as good as he's ever been. Cruz is still good, but it doesn't seem like something that should be yeah. that competitive at this point. Yeah, I've been trying to find the quote because it's really funny. Um, I think it doesn't exist anywhere in written form. It's just in a video. But Gilman was showing technique, and he said, now, I like ancient warriors. So think about an ancient warrior. Now, my favorite ancient warrior is the Viking. Now, when you think about the Viking and their armaments, the Viking has his big battle axe and his small daggers. So when I'm wrestling, I like to think my legs are like the battle axe and my hands are like the daggers. But uh, he's going to win here. (laughs) That's... uh... Yeah. No, I mean, that's he has a very clear understanding of his skill set based on that. 
um, whatever analogies you need to, to figure out your stuff. I mean, if more MMA fighters were using, uh, you know, weaponry and like warrior culture analogies to make sense of their game, I'd be happy about it. Whatever it takes that you can actually like visualize the purpose of your, of your techniques. Um, yeah, Gilman's a weird guy, but he definitely reads a lot, which, you know, respect because reading is hard. Cool. Uh, another rematch from college. This time, the rematch isn't that significant because one guy won every time they wrestled and I think pinned him like almost every time. Uh, <laughs> but we have uh, yeah, three time NCAA champion uh, Zane Rutherford versus Ali Pantaleo, who I believe is a two time All American, I'm guessing. Um, three, but yeah. Three, yeah. Pantelio was always one of my favorite, like, not champion kind of guys, uh, just because super athletic, you know, has has a pretty wide variety of, of scores that he can get to. I thought he was going to translate so well to freestyle, and he's, like, about as good as he was in college in freestyle. It doesn't really make sense to me because his skill set seems like it should be so much better suited to just taking people down, but it's been, like, the same. <laughs> so I'm not really sure what, what to make of that. Uh, but Zane obviously has made two world teams and uh, had a really brutal draw every time he's got to a major competition and everyone hates him because he keeps, you know, keeping really cool guys off the team and then not winning medals and it's not his fault, but that's like 65's thing <laughs> for the U.S. It's like we always have somebody really cool or like a bunch of interesting contenders to go out and then no medal. Uh, so that's not Zane's fault, but Zane's still very good. Um, he did get pinned by uh, Destry Bots. I think that's how you say it from Argentina at Pan Am's at the Pan Am qualifiers. Um, so is the weight not qualified? The weight is not qualified. Oh, we got to go through. <laughs> we got to go through the last chance qualifier, which is going to have uh, Aliyev from Azerbaijan is not qualified. Oh Kinchigashvili is not qualified. Oh my god! Turkey and Iran are not qualified. Uh, if Gejia from Poland gets down, they're oh, not qualified. It's gonna be tough. Does he have to place? Does he have to medal? Top two. Top two. I think oh. it's top two. So, so if, if you get Aliyev on the same side, uh, that's it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's it's so unfair because I can totally see Zane making the Olympic team. And then not qualifying the weight and not going to the Olympics and everyone's like, oh, Zane's, you know, it sucks. We need a new system. I'm like, no, it's just, well, yeah, it's Zane's fault. No, for the, not what we need is a new, <laughs> need a new world system because Kazakhstan and Mongolia are qualified. Right. Uh, and those guys that we listed are not. And there's yeah, not really right. anything you can do about that. <laughs> right. Uh, Africa and Oceania get two qualifiers. In uh, in the system's defense, Pan Am qualifiers are like yeah some of the easiest ones to get through. It's just stupid <laughs> that it's it's top two because then it's it's all about right. the draw. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it's the U.S. and Cuba, and you hope you can avoid Cuba. Right. And that's why everyone's so mad at Zane is because he didn't even lose to Cuba. He lost to Argentina. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't want to laugh at him, but it's just, it's this, yeah. it's like a cursed weight. Like nothing good ever happens there for us outside of, of domestic competition. And we're really good there, but the well, world the, is the very, world very, very is good there. really, really, <laughs> really good there. So that stinks. But uh, is Zane going to attack him? Uh, I don't know. 
Probably not. Zane doesn't do that much on top in freestyle, right. which seems weird, but I mean... He doesn't have as much time. You know? Yeah, he actually probably is going to attack him because pace is going to matter in this match, like conditioning. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I think uh, when you're it's not Helios really... Sometimes has issues when, you're, there. when you're not really peaking for anything, um, he probably is wrestling senior nationals, but I feel like he could definitely, you know, put up six or eight in the second. Mm-hmm. Is, do you know what the weight gonna, class for this? So that's what I was going to say. I think I haven't seen anything. I kind of think they're like open weight. Yeah. They should be. Uh, but they might do one of those stupid things where they make them weigh in at some arbitrary number. Make the, Yeah. Just like whatever the bigger person naturally weighs, <laughs> they just call that the weight class. Uh, I mean, Pantaleo is good. I think he'll be yeah. in that if if James Green sticks with it, uh, then he'll probably be the guy at 70 and there's a big group chasing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Pantaleo is close to the front of that. I mean, yeah. they're, they're all so close. He could be anywhere between second and eighth. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he'll make some national teams in the next few years. Yeah. If what I think happens is going to happen and, and Green eventually phases out and then like Brian Deacon – Starts making teams. Then I mean, Pantaleo crushed Deacon. Yeah, he beat him a bunch of times. Uh, so I think uh, he, at the very least, he's he's got future national teams with his name on it at seventy kilograms. But yeah, this is just a uh, how can I pick him to beat Zane when Zane always beats him, um, like bad, really bad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, theoretically, maybe uh, if this was a cage wrestling match, <laughs> if this was submission, not submission, wrestling underground. And Pantelio was like a 74 kilogram guy, and then Zane was like preparing to compete at 65 and was like cutting weight, and there was a big size discrepancy. Maybe I could see it, uh, but I mean, it's a regular wrestling match, and I think uh, the weight difference won't be that much. And it's gonna go ahead and pick Zane because that's that makes a lot of sense. Cool. And I'm assuming you're picking Zane as well. I think you said that. Yes. Yeah. All right. Interesting. So we talked a little bit about Nolf before. Mm-hmm. Three-time NCAA champion. Uh, you know, very exciting wrestler. Haven't seen a lot of him consistently since he graduated because of injuries. He gets injured like every year. Um, and it sucks. And it's like always the same thing. Or it's like the other knee <laughs> or something like that. And yeah, for someone with his style where he... I wouldn't say he does like a lot of funk, but he does a lot of unusual things that you know puts put his knees in danger. Uh, and it's not like those are the things that made him good. Um, he, he could win without all that. He just liked to experiment. But, I mean, it's going to take away your motion, your explosion, and your stability. Uh, so, obviously, knee injuries are bad, and they affect your whole game, not just your funky stuff. So, I'm, I'm forever worried about Nolf and his health. Um, he did compete pretty recently. He beat Jordan Oliver um, at that exhibition. That was a weird match. Not really anything happened. Uh, and then Oliver like sold out on something near the end and, and Nolf scored, but nothing really happened there. Um, McFadden will make stuff happen. We saw him at Wrestling Underground beat Tommy Gant. And, you know, as you said, when we recapped that, he attacked a lot. Um, I think that, you know, just my initial impression I think that will actually play into Nolf's hands where he doesn't actually have to create the attack as much and he can just wrestle. Um, I'm interpreting it as he is that much better. That If he can just get 
him near him and, and get into situations where his, his legs are available. Uh, he'll be able to create scores and, and make stuff happen. But I don't know. It's kind of a dangerous matchup, I suppose, if, if he doesn't totally hold up. And uh, McFadden is a good size 74 at this point. So it could be, uh, it could be interesting. Uh, you had some notes there. I think you, uh, you, you see some contention in this match. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think it's probably correct to just assume uh, Nolf is better, but uh, it's, it's partly just how, you know, how healthy, how sharp Nolf is. Uh, but I mean, McFadden, I think his length could be an issue where if you just kind of misread the distance, because he is bigger than anyone Nolf has really wrestled. And if you kind of just misjudge the distance and, you know, think, you know, you've got this shot handled when you don't, McFadden can maybe catch him a couple times. But I think, like you said, he probably just puts himself into worse position. He'll shoot into a a head pinch or a re-attack. Nolf is really good scoring on uh, his opponent's shot. Uh, and McFadden is it, like he's a decent finisher, but if it gets into like a scramble position, he's not that great. Um, and so he, he gives himself more of a chance than somebody like I don't know who is someone that was overmatched, uh, like Cruz, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. like Cruz, I just don't really see what he could do to win. Like McFadden, you can kind of imagine how it would happen. Uh, but but more likely he just gives up a lot of points and he loses like twelve two. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> makes sense to me. Um, and despite McFadden's good performance over Gant, he did you know lose to Jake Wenzel and and didn't look so hot uh, before that. And you know we're assuming he's he's over whatever that was, but it might just be that you know he's not quite there yet. So uh, definitely picking Nolf. Um, and I hope he looks good, and I hope he stays healthy through his run at 74. I don't expect him to make a team at 74 kilograms if he's healthy because, you know, it's the Burroughs, Dake, whoever, weight, Imar. Um, but, yeah, I'd like, him, I'd like him to beat Imar. I think that would be a good sign if he can finally do that again. Um, hasn't beaten him since he pinned him in the dual meet back in the day. Um, so, yeah, I'm always, I'm always on the Nolf train. I'm a big fan because um, I'm a PA homer. So, uh, NCAA champion Mike Machiavello, who has made a really great transition to freestyle, he's going to be wrestling Kyle Snyder. And, uh, yeah, Machiavello, like, apparently didn't know how to wrestle, like, didn't know the rules <laughs> of wrestling when he got into college. Like, I don't know what he was doing before in high school, but apparently, like, they had to teach him about, you know, stalling and top and bottom rules and all that. And he's just kind of going with it, just winging it. So that's kind of encouraging. <laughs> he started from that point, and he's already, he you know works his way up to NCAA champion uh, by the end of his college career. And yeah, he's he's been around. He's been doing good. Uh, he competed at the Alans, which I watched pretty closely. Uh, he made it to the medal match, which was really impressive. It was a super stacked tournament. It was at 92 kilograms, which you know isn't the best weight in the world, but it, I mean, still to jump out of college and do that is pretty awesome. Um, Second at the Farrell, lost to Kyle Snyder. Um, went to Intercontinental Cup, didn't do anything there. Was at the MedFed, didn't do anything there. So 
he's improving. He he did a medal at the uh, Don Kolov tournament, which is a ranking series tournament. Um, I believe he lost to uh, Kurbanov or uh, Cituri. I forget which, but he's he's around, so he's competing. But like I said, Snyder beat him up pretty recently. <laughs> so I think it's just like, oh, here's Snyder. He's going to beat somebody you know acclaimed. But yeah, maybe Machiavello's growth curve just you know shoots up and he you know, randomly gives Snyder an amazing match. Um, but probably not. But I could definitely see Machiavello being like the top, like taking if Kyvin Gadsden goes and does MMA after this, which it sounds like he wants to do. Maybe Machiavello is like the number two or three guy at the weight at 97 and makes a bunch of national teams and gets health care. Um, I heard a rumor that Machiavello wants to do MMA too, so maybe mm. he doesn't. Yeah, he's. <laughs> I feel like he's got like the athleticism for it. I right. mean, just the fact that he's. He won a national title, but he was one of the least impressive national champs. Right, the weight was ninety seven was like a terrible weight, and he benefited from Colin Moore getting pinned. But he's improved so much since then, mm-hmm. and just like the the two years since then, he's really made strides. So I'm actually like, I I would consider picking him over Gadsden if they both wrestle in like the twenty twenty one Olympic trials. He's he's like right up there with everybody after Snyder. But probably going to lose this one, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think we need to talk too much more about it. We've seen the match already. It was not close. Um, and Snyder is, you know, Nittany Lion Wrestling Club now, and he's definitely improved since he moved. I think the change was good for him. Um, did get pinned by Mohammedian after that, uh, but has been back and, and looked fine since then so i'm just trusting him to be himself and he pretty much does not lose domestically at this point and doesn't really get pushed very often at this point so i think uh it's pretty likely <laughs> that he wins that one it's just kind of a snyder a snyder show type of thing the main mm-hmm. event is really cool um <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm with it i'm about it um hodge versus hodge uh bow nickel penn state grad versus alex deringer former oklahoma state guy um, both super physical wrestlers, both big underhook users, big, you know, manipulators of position and throwing people around. But I just feel like their body types are so different. Um, the, the way they treat leg attacks are so different. Um, the way they you know, approach a match is so different. Like Bo is basically, this is going to be a terrible, you're going to hate this, but <laughs> if I had to explain Bo to somebody who had never heard of him, uh, and they like knew a lot of wrestling, but they didn't know who Bo was. I would be like, "Oh, he's like Kale." If Kale was mixed with uh, Ben Askren, because like his his system on the feet is very much Kale, and then he uh you know does a lot of crazy stuff on the mat. But that's a terrible comparison. But if I had to make it really simple, I would say that. Um, but yeah, I really like watching Bo Nickel. He he's got the great snap down series into the the low leg attacks and ankle picks, and um, loves to jack people up from underhooks and, and hit throw buys and, and, you know, sometimes take them across for throws, which is, I love to see it. And uh, yeah, very opportunistic at snatching up, uh, you know, pinning combinations in, in transition, like he'll, he'll cradle you, he'll, he'll go splatle, he'll do whatever. But that's a lot of that was folk style. He's kind of simplified things for freestyle. At first he didn't <laughs> like uh, if you watch his U23 matches, he kind of has to figure out during the matches like, Oh, I think I need to like do defense and not, you know, try to sit the corner and like try to counter everything and scramble through everything. Like I think I probably have to 
defend these shots and it's going to make it easier for me to get my game going. So he's learning how to prioritize uh, and become a little more focused in his style, which is awesome. Um, doing less cool stuff, but it's cooler to me if you have a, a very concise process and you apply it and you get right to it and you get your scores going and you, you do your thing than like doing lots of moves um, <laughs> or like doing anything particularly exciting in terms of aesthetics. So I really like the way he's developing. I don't like that he went up to 97. Um, I guess it's because, you know, his teammate David Taylor is 86. But I don't know. Snyder is at 97 and Jaden Cox is at 97. So if you're not going to make the team anyway, you should just go to 86 where you can be better. I don't know. Uh, but he said he's going to do MMA as well. So I'm not sure about that. But uh, Deeringer has been good. He was like one of the best guys in the world at um, 79 kilograms. He, he was ranked top three uh, by Seth. And he moved up to 86 for the Olympic year and hasn't been quite as good, which makes sense because, I mean, he has moved up a pretty big chunk of weight and his style is very much like moving people around and being physical and being big. Uh, so I assume that the, the jump up in weight is going to be difficult for him. But again, we don't know what weight they're competing at. But if Nickel is preparing to compete at 97 and Derringer is moving up into 86, it might be kind of ridiculous. <laughs> to see them next to each other. I'm, I'm actually yeah. I mean, didn't face off. Didn't Nickel weigh in at like eighty nine when he wrestled Jaden? Jaden for for ninety two. He, he weighed in at like yeah. He weighed in at like under ninety kilograms. Yeah. So that's just walking around weight. I wonder if he's even putting on weight for ninety seven, or is he just gonna show up? <laughs> uh, I have no idea. It's gonna be weird. But yeah, what's uh what's Derringer's path here? Because I think just based on the size and the mostly the size. I, I'm leaning nickel already. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't really like Bo Nichols wrestling that much. Oh, interesting. Uh, but I don't know. Like, I and I, I, I do enjoy Derringer's game a lot. Um, mm. he he basically does the. There's more to it than this, but like the standard kind of like American like push pull you know you go post high crotch you go snap down double but he does it all lefty and then he's got good uh like he's got a lot of good stuff clamping down uh with with elbow control and like with an overhook he has like a carry he has a like a near arm far leg sort of dump uh he, he's even headlocked a couple people uh in the u.s um but uh, he nickel is really good at like getting you off him, like like kind of uh, like getting you loose. Guys who try to be really physical and you know snap heavy and clamp down tight. He's really good at lengthening their ties and slipping out of it and stuff. And I think that's probably going to be the difference that Daringer can't get him out of position. And he's he's also seemed to struggle a little bit at eighty six with. Getting, getting guys at far enough out of position that he can shoot. Where like in, in his matches with Miles Martin, he'll like snap and go and think it's there, and then it's just not. Uh, and I think that's probably going to be going to happen again with Nickel. Uh, but you do have to wonder how committed Nickel is. Where it, it seems like he's more focused on MMA. He's he's kind of going down the Ed Ruth path. Mm -hmm. For the last year or so, he his results just got worse and worse. 
because he just wasn't taking it that seriously. Yeah, I uh, it kind of sucks because he he could easily you know if he stick around he could be a guy. I mean, depending on what Jaden does with 92, if he stays up or if he goes back down. But, I mean, even like 86, Nickel could be a, a career a career wrestler. He could stick around forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think personality-wise, he, he wants he wants to be the guy. So, yeah. like you said, he, he wants to go uh, go do bigger and better things. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's trendy, trendy to do MMA. I mean, obviously, I'm an MMA fan first, you could say. So, I, I'm not – disappointed about it but i always it's an it annoys me when uh when big name wrestlers like say they're doing mma or like they're gonna because that's all anyone ever asked me about i'm like i don't i don't know i don't know how they're gonna do <laughs> like it totally depends it totally depends on how they look so we'll see we'll see what happens um but yeah i'm pretty interested just to see what that match looks like how do you think nickel would do if he actually cut weight and went 86 like where do you think he would stack up in the world or domestically? Both. Yeah. I guess, I guess for, for this, just domestically. Yeah. I mean, can he beat David Taylor? No, I, I think he's part of the group chasing David Taylor. But do you yeah. think he's – I mean, do you think he's ahead as a he? Because he lost as a he uh, junior trials last time they wrestled. No, it was a while ago. <laughs> I think uh, – I mean, if he was cutting down 86, he'd be a good size there. And, I mean, he, he's beat some pretty good guys that – in freestyle at this point, but I, I could see him beating Zahid for sure. Um, I could see him beating Miles again. I could see him beating pretty much everyone other than David Taylor in, in the country. Um, just, you know, based on one, his style is pretty good at getting people to, like you said, off him to not take a lot of attacks on him if he doesn't want them to, if he doesn't feel comfortable countering. Um, and, and I think if once he gets to his, uh, his process, it's actually pretty good for him. His like, normal way of attacking on the feet really good for freestyle uh, it's his defense yeah. and you need some adjusting so um yeah, i think his, with the size um, and everything it'd be this series with uh with machiavello and with zilmer at trials and 20 uh, i forget it was the opener trials but he he looked really really good like he he could pick apart someone like Daringer who's just pushing in a little too heavy mm-hmm. yeah i uh but I think his his main like career would be going to other tournaments and uh, you know placing at you know big name events and maybe doing some pro league stuff and yeah I mean he could be national team forever and I think yeah when if the weights shuffled around some more and maybe Jaden stays up and and he goes up to ninety two I mean he could definitely be one of, one of the guys for for a long time but probably not happening so uh, one one of the last times we'll see him wrestle fairly likely um if, if he makes the jump pretty quick after the uh after the trials because it's it doesn't seem likely that he makes it the team uh the olympic team uh i'd like him to stick around longer but probably not gonna and then for mma he he has his own gym that he's opening in state college an american top team affiliate that means nothing um it's not like he's gonna train there i don't think uh but because it's an american top team affiliate Excuse me. It makes you wonder that he's going to train at American Top Team uh, down in Coconut Creek in Florida. Uh, I, I don't love that for him. Like, it's a great place to start, I think, like to learn all, all the skills, you know, become an MMA fighter. Uh, but people stay there. People stay there a really long time. And uh, the camp has issues with a few things. Um, 
one of them being Ringcraft, which is like the decider at the elite level. Like if you don't have good Ringcraft, you're not gonna beat like really good guys. Um, I don't know. Just my my issue with him has always been like being a little processless and, and being a little too eager to let things come to him and um, mm-hmm. you know being really confident in situations. And that's like such an American top team thing to do. He's like, oh, I'm really good, so. I don't need to like force you to have the fight that works best for me. Like I can just wait for you to do stuff and I'll, I'll counter you. Like I'll, I'll win. Hey, you want to clinch with me? I'll beat you in the clinch. If you try to wrestle with me, I'll, I can out wrestle you. Like stuff like that. Like it go, it only goes so far. Um, mm-hmm. And that just seems like so, so him. <laughs> it's so American top team. And like, if he went there, I knew, I just know it. I, I would get so mad if that happened. Where, so. uh, where would you rather see him go? <sighs> Bunch of places. Um, with his style, I think, you know, to embrace, like, it's not just because I'm saying everyone should go there, but I really think <laughs> with his with his style, uh, with, with the way he does things and, like, being open to creativity, I think he would fit in an elevation fight team in Colorado. I think it would actually work for him. They have, like, Corey Sandhagen, uh, other people <laughs> as well. But, I mean, you have one of the best striking coaches in the world, Trevor Whitman, right there. A uh, bunch of wrestlers are heading up there now. I mean, Curtis Blades is their, their poster child at the moment for heavyweight. But, I mean, Archie Colgan's up there. Ryan Deacon's been making visits. So, they're, they're becoming a more wrestler-centric uh, camp. And I just think they, they have a philosophy of, like, here are, are good things to do. Um, and here is, like, Ringcraft is a thing. They acknowledge Ringcraft, which makes me happy. Uh, but then also, like, once you know how all the stuff works, you can figure out your own way for uh, your style to, to be approached. So I, I don't know. I think that'd be a nice fit for him. There's a bunch of gems that would be good. I just, I specifically do not want him in American top team or freaking Jackson's Jackson wink. Don't, don't go there. Good wrestlers. Stop that. You stop that right now. They have even worse problems than, uh, than ATT. It's not even like, Oh, all the skill competencies are good, but there's like some bigger meta strategic things that don't work. Jackson's is like, Oh, well, our skill competencies are really patchy. <laughs> like you, we, we don't really get you as good as you should be in these areas, but we like find really janky ways to try to win. And that is just, I wouldn't want anyone to go there unless that was like, I had no belief that they would be able to get the skills to where they needed to be. And then maybe it would make sense. Uh, but for a prospect of, of Nichols caliber, like, no, 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 not there. So not Jackson's, not American top team. Um, honestly, it's a weird, a weird suggestion. I think, still in Florida, he'd be a good Henry Hoof guy uh, because Nickel is very athletic and he's big. And I think he's fairly aggressive when he wants to be. Uh, and that's a good camp for wrestlers to learn how to hurt people striking. Uh, that, that's where wrestlers get good at knocking people out. Um, and I think he would enjoy that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, guys like Usman and, uh, and Chandler, uh, pretty good to learn from as well, especially Usman, who's you know, Mr. Clinch. I think Bo could do really well at, you know, jacking people up with underhooks against the cage and, and beating them up and uh, taking them down from there. Since he's so lanky, the cage wrestling meta would be really good for him, which is why AKA is also an option. But there's just, again, the skill competency. There, there are some issues there. Um, so my official recommendations are uh, EFT or, or Henry Hooft, which is basically what I say for everybody. Because um, I feel like the best camp for a good prospect to go to is – the camp that I think would be best for anyone. It's like who's doing it best right now overall. Um, and maybe it'll change, but specifically I, I have, you know, I have 
trepidations about American top team and Bo Nickel. And I think he would get very far, but then just once he got to the near the elite, some some issues would start to pop up. And uh, maybe I'm completely talking out of my ass right now, but we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. That's my ramble about MMA camps for now. Mm-hmm. Well, I would love it if Deringer were to win this, but uh, probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Most likely not. Um, yeah, no, I'll pick Nickel uh, just because he big. <laughs> and he's pretty good. And I think if they were the same exact weight, I'd probably pick Deringer. I think he's at a higher level right now. But um, this seems like a, a fairly wide frame differential. Uh, and like I said, it's it's Nate Lee Lyons event. I feel like Penn State, when they design things to go their own way, they, they feel like it's a sure thing. There, there's some magic there. They like they they know something that we don't. Where like they're peaking at for for nationals, or they're peaking for something like they they come out of nowhere. Like no one knew about this event. All of a sudden, there is an event. The matchups get announced like a week ago, and all their top guys are competing. Like I think they've been yeah. getting ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> that's my theory. But yeah, that's it. Uh, so yeah, beat the streets Thursday. Rockfin. Any lion card Saturday, and uh, we'll probably do a recap podcast just because there's going to be so many matches that I assume some cool things will happen, something worth talking about, or we ship it. We all go to the Changing Levels podcast or the Fight Library podcast, and we do it there. Put the put the pressure of producing it on them. That's an idea. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how we feel at the moment. All right. Parting words. You're working on anything? Um, I have been trying to get another Out for Revenge out. I've been looking high and low for video of the 2017 semi between Nathan Tomasello and Corey Clark. It should be on ESPN. It doesn't work. Like I, I have the correct mat and session that it's on, and the video doesn't play. Uh, it's not on YouTube anywhere. If it's ever been posted, it's been deleted. Uh, so if if I if I give up on that, I'll try and do a different match for Out for Revenge. Awesome. Yeah, I like that series. Cool. I'm always working on stuff, so I'm not even going to talk about it. But yeah, this week, I guess I, uh, I will talk about it. I'm just writing something about Vlad uh, in Chikishvili because he's competing, and I'm just looking for somebody relevant to, to write something about. And I think I'm just going to write about how he uh, – the how he scored the points that he scored uh, versus Ahmed Chikayev in the Euro Championship Finals, mm-hmm. which is one of, one of his last big wins. Yeah, that's uh, that was going to be my match recommendation. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's a really good match. <laughs> I think it was twenty seventeen Euros. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, then my match recommendation is uh, hmm, based on our Bo Nickel conversation uh, from U twenty three Worlds, Bo Nickel versus a. Uh, the Iranian, and I want to say it's uh, Shabazi Gavsgar, Gavs, Gavgar, I don't know, something like that. Uh, it's the Iranian that he wrestled at U23 Worlds. It's one where, like, he figures out how to do freestyle, like, during the match. He's like, wait, I shouldn't do these things. Um, it's really funny. Like, the first half of the match is him being kind of confused and getting scored on a little bit, and then the second match, he just freaking takes over. It's also a pace thing, but 
he he applies his his snap leg attack system and it's pretty cool uh and i wrote an article about that before if you don't have to read that just watch watch the match uh yeah that's it watch wrestling subscribe to a rockfin creator so you can watch those matches and if you still have your flow wrestling subscription you can watch that i deactivated mine but it still works for the rockfin thing you don't have to subscribe through uh, Nittany Line, you can subscribe through anybody. So if there's some wrestling or MMA or jujitsu channel that you want to support, you, you pay it through them. Uh, they get some cut of your money. And the uh, whatever is left gets doled out based on, like, proportional to what you watch. Yep. I think I might do mine for, I mean, our friend Blaine set up the fight library on there. So I feel like supporting Blaine's a good idea. If you don't know Blaine and don't want to support him for some reason, I recommend either uh, Jason Bryant, who's basically the king of wrestling media. Uh, he does tons of interviews and other types of like guides and content of that nature. Or my homer pick is uh, PA Power Wrestling. And they cover uh, high school, youth, uh, college people, and Pennsylvanians in college. Um, it's just all things Pennsylvania, which is the best state in the country for wrestling. So it's definitely worthwhile. And I think the guys are pretty cool as far as I remember. So Blaine, PA Power, Jason Bryant, uh, you, you could subs- you could do it through Willie Saylor. I won't stop you, but I think he's good. I think he's, he's fine for now. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Um, watch it. This was really long. And uh, I'm not going to edit it. So see, see everybody uh, for next one.